Hello and welcome to DesignCast, a podcast where I interview a wide range of excellent guests in design and STEAM education to get their unique perspectives. My name is Jason Regan and I use my 20 plus years of experience as a design educator to dig deep into complex issues. This podcast has one simple mission, to create a community of people around the world that are interested in design and STEAM education. Each episode, I chat with guests from all corners of the design world from classroom teachers to authors and even to educational consultants. We discuss a wide range of topics that we feel are relevant today. I do want to ask you that if you're enjoying this podcast, please leave a review, rate, subscribe, share, or download from your favorite podcasting app. This helps the podcast get discovered by listeners that might not find it otherwise. Also, it helps me to continually define the direction of future guests and episodes. Feel free to drop by my website, www.jasonreagan.ga, to leave me a comment or to sign up to be considered as a future guest on future episodes. Also, don't forget to stop by Anchor and leave me a voice clip that could even end up in an upcoming show. Thanks for listening. So let's get to it. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. On this episode of DesignCast, I had the pleasure of speaking to Mr. David Lee. David is a technology and innovation specialist at Singapore American School. He shares all about his journey into teaching and how design thinking had and still has a major part to play in both his personal and professional life. He introduces the idea of learning narratives to me, and I'm very excited to try it out. I'm sure that you will enjoy listening to our conversation. Don't forget to check out the Goodreads list for this podcast to find out more about the books that the guests from the show are recommending. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy this discussion with David Lee. Welcome back to another episode of Design Cast, and today I'm just so excited to have David Lee with me. David, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Thank you so much for accepting my invitation to chat. And so, David, if you don't mind, can you tell everyone a little bit about how you became involved in education? Growing up, I just kind of knew that there were a couple occupations that I wanted to do. The obvious was being a teacher, being a police officer, and being an MBA star, which didn't work out too well. But I knew I wanted to teach because I was always around children. I always liked their energy. And I taught English for uh, one year in Korea, and I loved it. And I knew that kind of solidified that I wanted to be a teacher over than, than being a police officer. Yeah, that's how I started. I got my credential in California. 
Um, but at the time, there was a huge reset recession, and I couldn't find a job. And during that time, even my master teacher, who was kind of mentoring me, was getting pink slipped every year. So there was no way for me to even get a sub job at that time. That's when I looked to going back to Korea, get my master's online for ed tech, and teach English and pay off the bills through that job. And then. When I was teaching English in Korea, in that same building, there was the international school, Korea International School. Uh, at the time, I had my credential and I was getting my master's. So I just went upstairs to their level and, and asked for a job. And they said I didn't have any experience, so they couldn't hire me. But I could start as an intern, as a computer teacher. And that's kind of how I started. They saw that I was doing this ed tech master's program. They were like, oh, this guy must be really techy, which that was not true at all. Like I, I had no tech skills. I was learning a lot in that master's program like learning about making a website with Wix and stuff like that but yeah I wasn't confident in technology and so that's kind of how I started and and I became a computer teacher and then an ed tech specialist a stem coordinator design teacher and right now I'm a tech and innovation specialist at Singapore American School you know I didn't realize that you'd had such an interesting journey at the same institution so that was <laughs> pretty neat to hear that and so you know because I mean I, I had I mentioned to you earlier I've had Mike Bycraft on here and he talks about you being one of the big catalysts for the program that's become so big there at KIS. And so that's just awesome that you kind of worked your way up through the ranks and and did that. And, and we're glad you didn't become an NBA star. I know that you're not <laughs> glad, but we are because we have you in the education ranks. And so so tell me a little bit about what the role is that you're doing now. What is it that you're, you're normally doing on a day-to-day -day basis? I'm the tech and an innovation specialist. So obviously we do tech, digital citizenship, coding, STEM, that type of thing. And then, of course, tech support. Very much the traditional side of ed tech. But the innovation part of our team is where we kind of identify needs around the school, specifically the elementary. That's where I work. And the team it consists of four people. Ben Summerton is from KIS as well, um, but he's our lead. And we basically just identify needs. And then we try to design solutions. That's where the innovation comes from. So, so for example, Chris Smith, he identified a huge need in data. A lot of data is being collected. He's designed a solution to help teachers take that data and show it in a way that teachers can understand and then quickly use it into their classroom. And, and that's all that's all him, right? And so I think we have a talent for that. For me, I came in and I identified that STEM education is something we could work on and improve. And so I've been working with science teams and, and trying to integrate engineering and technology and, and mechanical engineering, that kind of thing. And also design thinking. I felt like there was a huge focus on the student outcomes specifically like competencies like creativity collaboration and i felt like design thinking was that toolkit to help students develop those skills very cool man and so you actually helped me out a lot because i was going to wonder how i was going to segue into asking you about design thinking because anyone who follows you on any of the major social media channels will know that design thinking is your thing and so i want to hear more about sort of how that came about why that became such a passion of yours and what you're sort of doing with it i know you mentioned a little bit what you're doing at school now with it but what's your kind of vision with where you want to go with it like going back to my beginnings like I wasn't too confident in my abilities. I didn't do well in school. I just felt like my first year I was just trying to survive. I didn't feel like I was supposed to be there, but I quickly learned like I had no background in computers and I quickly learned I was able to learn 
as much as I can and teach it to these students. And that gave me a little bit of confidence. And so the whole idea of growth mindset, the whole idea of creative thinking, that started way in the beginning of my career. I quickly realized that those are the things that were helping me to be successful as a computer teacher. Because really, I wasn't supposed to be a computer teacher. I had no background in that. And, and I wasn't a techie person. Like, if you ask my family <laughs> if you, at that time, they would have they would have laughed because I couldn't do anything with tech. And so... When I first heard about design thinking, it kind of just blew me away because this is exactly what I felt like helped me be somewhat successful in what I did as a teacher. And so, but then they scaffold it so well. And also they added the empathy part, which blew me away. The final thing that just kind of made me really want to study it and actually practice it and live it was that it's applicable to not just product development. So I think a lot of people, when they hear design thinking, they all automatically think of a product, a physical product that can be sold like a vacuum. But for me, I, I because I've been so entrenched in design thinking for so long, I've learned that it's more than that. It's you can apply it in any type of situation. Educators or leaders are constantly talking about creativity, problem solving, collaboration, all of these things and design thinking packaged it perfectly for people to use in any context. IDEO, the design firm has kind of shown me that where they started with products, physical products, like building chairs and things like that for students, but ended up in just in general designing solutions that improve any real world experience. So an example would be the LA voting system or uh, the experience of cafeteria experience. Like it really, you can apply design thinking into any situation as long as you do a lot of empathy work and try to understand the people you're designing for igniting that creative side of you that for me was dormant until I started my career. I didn't know that I was creative. Yeah, I did not know I was creative until I was given a task or a project or, you know, given this position to be a computer teacher or given the position to, okay, your job as the coordinator is to have every grade level in elementary do project-based learning and you're going to teach design thinking. Like all of those things required those skills. So yeah, I'm a huge proponent of design thinking. And that's why I'm so excited <laughs> to share uh, these stories and, and so excited to have students use design thinking in the classroom. Because if you incorporate design thinking, you're forced as a teacher to also look at real world context because that's, that's where design thinking is being used in the real world. So you can't really do superficial. I mean, I guess you can, but it won't be as powerful. And so it forces teachers to think about using project-based learning, create that real world context, create a real audience, have students really empathize with other people. I think that's really powerful. One project that always comes to mind that is the opposite of product side of things uh, would be just any conflict unit. And so in our school in fourth grade, they have a conflict unit and design thinking is perfect because it scaffolds the conflict resolution process where you're empathizing with the other party, even though you have a conflict, but your goal is to have all parties meet their needs, your needs and their needs, not just doing a superficial solution that just pops in your head, but you go through that creative process of trying to think of as many solutions as possible. 
And so I just find it really applicable to any type of situation. And I think it's a it's a tool that can make a lot of students once they exit the school system, help them to be really successful. Can I just pick on a few of those things that you mentioned? Yeah, I love the fact that you said you didn't realize you were creative until you were put into a situation where you were able to be creative, you know, and you were able to use the construct of design thinking to do that. And I, I think that's so fantastic because so many students, I know you've had this experience, I'm sure, will say, I just am not creative mm-hmm. or I just, I can't think of an alternate way to do this, you yeah. know? And so I think it's fantastic that you, you, you saw that and that you saw design thinking as a way to um, actually help you become more creative or to re- unleash the creativity you already have. So I think that's really great that you're putting that into into motion. And how are you how are you empowering students through that same kind of thinking to make them feel more creative? I think giving students context has really helped. If you just tell a student, I, I think if you just told me to be creative and think of some solutions to or some some ideas from a prompt, I'd be very nervous and I don't know if I would be I would even generate a lot of ideas. I think building context and having students learn about the problem and the challenge that they're facing, then having them generate ideas is key. So I do respect people who do the design thinking challenges that are short because you do need to introduce it. And that's what I would do as well. Um, I introduced design thinking to the students through an empathy challenge. But if you really want them to be creative, I believe that you need to not only have design thinking, but project-based learning kind of side by side. Because in project-based learning, if you are, if you give them this entry event that kind of sparks their interest and that generates, that helps students generate all these different questions and they start investigating to answer those questions, they're, they're gaining an understanding of the challenge. They're gaining an understanding of who is involved in this, who are the end users, but then they can quickly identify a specific problem within that challenge With all that context, then the students would be able to have quality ideas. The students would be able to have generate more quality ideas. I took an IDOU course. I think it was the Insight to Innovation or something like that. Basically, there was an activity where you asked people to start sketching ideas for a phone or something like that. Man, I forgot what it was. was, Okay, okay. So I think it was, okay, basically, the first time, the first sketch was, can you draw a rainbow and and draw a scene of a rainbow? You know, everyone would have generic ideas. The second time we sketched, they asked, Asked us to sketch the first time you saw a rainbow. Then everybody was able to sketch different type of things and had more details because of the context that was given. And I think that's very important that you need to have some type of context and not just ask students to be creative. Absolutely. Yeah, I that's, hope that made that's sense. Incredible. No, that's that. <laughs> That made a lot of sense, man. I appreciate that. I mean, I think that's really powerful that building something in context. I do like the way you've connected project-based learning as well, Mm -hmm. because I think that trying to do this outside of a context and outside of parameters, it's it's futile. It's trying to do it. It's it's not going to work. So I think having some construct for that to be in really does help. And that's where STEM and STEAM come in as well. You throw in all these different disciplines and I love the ideal philosophy of having let's have as many voices from as many different backgrounds in mm-hmm. the room 
working on the same thing. Right. And so I think that's, I think that's great. And you've hit on that. I I think that idea of, you know, the sketch a rainbow and then sketch the first time you ever saw a rainbow Mm -hmm. just by changing the way you frame the question. Yeah elicits a more creative response, right? right? And so, and I think the second question empathizes with your audience, right? Mm, and so right, I, right. I'm a big fan of empathy. So I think that it's great that you've you've continually brought that up as well. So man, that's great. Yeah, very, very powerful. And what I love about that too, and I'm sure you found this because you, most of your teaching, has it been working with younger students? Yeah, elementary students. And so they take to this kind of protocol quite easily, don't they? Yeah, I think it's always a struggle the first time because it's literally the opposite of what you're kind of taught to do. It is a struggle in the first time, but when you see them get into it, they see how a lot of the things that they were taught to do, they're not doing. So I think that gets them a bit excited. Yeah, I was actually reading something this week about how the peak of creativity for most human beings is kindergarten. As we become more educated, we become less creative. I know that we have the Sir Ken Robinson talk about that. At the same time, you know, how do we continue to foster those creative ways of thinking that we really need to be teaching these future generations because these problems are not going to fix themselves. So I think it's great that you're doing that, man. And what do you hope to see happen in the institutions and organizations that you work in in the future when it comes to design thinking? Well, it's happening in pockets. So I don't really include, I don't try to include design thinking in everything. So for example, this current science fifth grade unit, I developed this real world context. I took all the standards and, and tried to try to see what real world context in, involved all these different standards. I c- came up with algal bloom. The summative or the performance task is, is students taking everything that they learned about the environment and then applying it to an engineering project. I just felt like at this point, it's not a good fit to include design thinking. Um, I just have them going through the engineering process. The goal would be to have every unit where I feel like design thinking would be valuable, have that implemented in there. But that requires performance tasks. That requires a real world context, an authentic context. So that's what I'm kind of working on now, trying to develop that context and then have students use design thinking to navigate through those challenges. Absolutely, man. And you know what? I agree with you 100% that not every unit is going to have lots of inquiry learning engagements. Not every unit is going to have lots of opportunities for design thinking. I completely agree with you because there are times when you have to teach skills and you have to practice things, right? And Mm -hmm. so I think it's really important that we find a balance. And I think if we're able to do that and infuse even tenets of design thinking, like empathy and and collaboration, I think if we're able to do that, I mean, it doesn't always have to be the full-blown deal, right? Yeah, that's a great (laughs) point. Yeah, you... That's yes, absolutely. Especially for beginners, you don't have to go through all the different phases, but you could implement design thinking mindsets in every unit because they are solving problems or trying to improve some type of experience. So that's awesome, man. So let me ask you the next thing, which is what are you really, really excited about at the moment? So yeah, I've been doing this passion project called Edu Permaculture for a while now, and it stems from I think I think you came to one of my workshops in Learning Two. Is that right? I did. Yeah, yeah. in Manila. Yep. Yeah. So it it kind of it's the philo- or the design approach that I used to develop that program I was talking about. Basically, it's trying to simulate the best 
learning environments outside of education and then placing them into schools. So that's why I love design thinking. I took something that made creative people successful and I'm now handing it over to students. And I'm also simulating the real world experiences that they see and then trying to place it into classrooms. I've been working on that for a while now. I just haven't had time to kind of create content to describe it in detail. That's kind of what I'm excited about. Most recently, like just two weeks ago, I've been thinking about making a video about learning narratives for units. So I talked to, um, I, have a, I have a friend uh, named Bronin who, who she, she's in um, Australia and she was saying how um, units should be this beautiful narrative that teachers can look at and understand that story, that learning story. But, you know, a lot of units that we look at, it's not like that at all. Students might hit those standards, but there isn't really a narrative. And I want to spread this idea of why, how about we create a learning narrative where students, there's some type of provocation that sparks this learning. They ask the questions, they investigate, and then try to solve the problem. That's exactly what a story arc is. And how could we visually show that story arc about a unit to a teacher so that they understand that story and then dive into the specifics of the standards and the learning plan and, and the assessments, those kind of things. And the whole idea is have students be the hero of that story. And then we are the facilitators. We are the mentor, kind of like in Lord of the Rings, Frodo is the hero, the student, and then Gandalf would be us kind of guiding Frodo um, along for the journey and solving the problem, right? So that's that's an idea I've been thinking about recently, and I hope to create content and, and share it as soon as possible. That's amazing, man. I love it. I, th I think it's what we need <laughs> right now. I, we need something, man. I'll tell you what, that sounds great. And I like that visual that I'm having. Just you talking about it's giving me this visual thinking about the way that that could look or the way that could work. I, I really like that. The flow of how a unit would work. That's really cool, man. I think that, that will be an awesome idea. And you heard it here first. So that's, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's great, man. So David, I always ask people a couple of questions here at the end. I want to ask you, what book would you recommend everyone stop right now and read? I would say Show Your Work was a huge influence in what I do. It just basically tells you to share what you're doing. By sharing what you do, there are so many benefits. It helps a lot of people. You might think it doesn't help anybody, but it, it, it will or it will help someone and also help you to reflect. That whole learning narrative that I just talked about, that came from writing a script for an upcoming video. And I was just thinking like, why don't we communicate these units in more of a narrative and have students be the, the hero? And that came from reflection of my own work. Yeah. So I definitely recommend reading that one. Show your work. That sounds great, man. And you actually brought me to the next question, which was all about your YouTube channel, because if I'm not mistaken, you were celebrating like 1 million views on a video this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those those video, the ones that are viewed a lot are more the EdTech tutorials, which I enjoy making, but that's not my passion. I really wish the videos about the education approaches that I use and, and just my reflection as an educator. I wish those videos had a lot more views, but it's just for fun. So I don't care that the education videos, I get probably a hundred views or maybe like even less. So, but yeah, I love, YouTube has been a great way for me to communicate my ideas because I started blogging 
really early as a computer teacher and I looked at what I wrote and I was like, this is a script. Like, why don't I just add some visuals to it? And so that's kind of how it all started. And I'm just really into videography. I, I find people who make videos amazing and, and creative. I consume a lot of YouTube content. I watch a lot of people who are so passionate about what they do. It just motivates me to do better in what I do. And so, yeah, YouTube has kind of changed my life in that way. That's awesome. And, you know, I think that's what our, our students feel. So yeah. they consume a lot of YouTube all the time, at least if my sons are any indication, then they definitely, <laughs> it's definitely there. So David, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? It would be to go to Instagram, David Lee Ed Tech, really any social media platform that you use, just type in David Lee Ed Tech and you will find me. Fantastic. And, you know, I, I can't sing your praises enough. I think all the stuff that you create is fantastic. And I'll make sure that you get 101 views on some of those <laughs> educational videos. That, Thanks, man. I appreciate it. That you've been creating. So hopefully when things open up, we can connect in person again. But Absolutely. thank you, David, so much. This has been great to just jam out with you about the design thinking stuff. But I'm really excited about the learning narratives now. You've gotten me excited. And so that's that's great, man. I can't wait to hear more about that. And so maybe we can have you back later after you've got a little bit more content for that. That would be awesome. For sure. I really appreciate you having me. I, I enjoy talking to people who have, you know, similar passions. So thank you, David. I really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed that episode of DesignCast. I'm Jason, your host, and I produced and created this podcast. If you have any input, I would love to hear from you. And I look forward to seeing you again really soon. I am so excited to announce the launch of a new podcast network called DNA Podcast Network. The Design Network Alliance, or DNA, was founded by Evo Hanan and myself as a result of DesignCast number 16. We talked all about the need to connect design educators globally. DNA is a collective group of like-minded design educators from around the world. We have one simple mission, to connect design and STEAM educators with each other and with designers that want to make a difference in design education to make it better for future generations. The DNA Podcast Network is a hub for podcasts that cover the topics around design, design and technology, design thinking, STEAM, and STEM education. If you are interested in hearing more great content, head over to www.dnapodcastnetwork.ga today. Click on the thumbnail of the podcast that you want to hear and enjoy. If you have any other podcasts that you enjoy that cover similar topics, please feel free to get in touch with me and let me know so that I can look at adding them to the network. Finally, spread the word. Share with your network and your PLN and use the hashtag DNA Podcast Network.